A lot of people who play or used to play rugby listen to this podcast. If you're struggling with an injury, lack of mobility, or some form of pain that you've just got used to living with, then you need to get it sorted. Back to Better Physiotherapy is a physio practice I highly recommend. The practice owner, John Quigg, is extremely experienced. He's worked with professional sports teams such as Ulster Rugby and Middlesbrough Football Club. Back to Better provide physiotherapy, massage treatment, personal training and rehab. They also have an ice bath and sauna in-house, which are fantastic for recovery and health. They're located at the Building Box Gym in East Belfast. Book using Instagram at Back to Better Physiotherapy or type their number in your phone now. 075 685 3022. That's 075 685 3022. Get in touch with them and get your aches and pains sorted. William Carlyle Coaching, helping yo yo dieters stop living their life on a diet and achieve long-lasting fat loss results. We've helped hundreds of dieters ditch the strict, boring and bland diets whilst losing 15 pounds minimum in 90 days. This is all done with the Fit for Life Transformation Program. It's the counterintuitive approach to weight loss and will change your life forever. If you want to know more, grab your phone or pen and paper to write down my social accounts. On Instagram, it's at William Carlyle Coaching. On Facebook, it's just William Carlyle. If you'd be interested in learning more, drop me a message and let's chat. Okay, welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. Ulster's recent revival came to a shuddering end as Glasgow Warriors came from behind at halftime to snatch victory. It was a game that divided fan opinion. There are those who are talking about the start of another crisis. And there's another camp who think a bonus point loss isn't too bad considering Glasgow's recent run of form. Whatever your opinion, we've seen Ulster throw away halftime leads too many times this season. It's become a bit of a recurring theme. So Ulster did lead at the break in this game, but didn't score in the second half until the last kick of the game. Glasgow's mall was Ulster's undoing. They scored three tries using uh, that, that method. Ulster remain ahead of Glasgow in the table, but only by the slenderest of margins. The result leaves them third in the URC. Glasgow are only a point behind them, and Munster are also now in range of catching them. They had a good game at the weekend, which you can talk about in a bit. The question remains over whether Ulster are regressing or whether we've just been repeatedly unlucky. Anyway, to discuss the game, I'm joined by Jack Simon on the red hand on his red hand debut, and John Anderson, a podcaster and writer for the Scottish Rugby blog. Welcome to all of you. Hi, thanks, thanks for having us. <laughs> great, great to have you all. And I want to start as usual. I get Jack in the absence of Nathan, who often does this slot. Jack, I want. Uh, I wonder, could you give us a brief summary of that game? So, what were your overall thoughts and feelings after that? Oh, big pressure, uh, filling uh, Nathan's shoes. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, very, very disappointing. Um, I'll try and be as as respectful as possible to the to the Glasgow uh, fans in the uh, in the room. But uh, but I mean, we could have won that game. Uh, I think that it was a it was really you know the conditions really kind of even things out. And uh, for anyone that didn't watch it, it was pretty well. Depends who you speak to. Dan McFarlane said it wasn't too bad after the game, but you could see that he was really seething when he was saying it and uh, sort of wasn't making any excuses. And I think, I think to be fair, there aren't any excuses after that, really. We were just poor and, and Glasgow 
beat us up in in, in a few different areas. Um, if, if you take the first half in in isolation, you would have thought that actually, you know, Glasgow had a lot of opportunities and didn't didn't take them. Um, you know, they got a they got a you know territory and possession right from the off from a from one of our errors, but we did really well. You know, very good defence initially, and then just sort of kept them out really more than anything um, through an abundance of, of of effort, which is obviously you know great to see. But in, at the same time, we were equally as kind of blunt down the other end too. So it was really, really it was really kind of tough to watch. It's probably probably for both um, sort of sets of fans because you're kind of looking at it and you're thinking this could be a really dull game if there's no scores and things and it could have could have ended up you know being being like that but you know we go in with a lead at halftime and you're thinking it's pretty you know a pretty good position to be in uh start of the second half i just went back and i watched actually sort of the last sort of 20 25 minutes and um and that was that was sort of the key kind of area of the game it's a bit of back and forth um knock-ons lots of penalties um and then Glasgow just sort of they just they just turned the heat up. Uh, their their line out and and their I think their subs just came on and I think there was a few guys of of good good quality on that on that bench. I think sort of Fraser Brown is is probably uh, a little bit of an underappreciated kind of player. Um, I think he's just got that absolute um, doggedness that he just comes on and adds real kind of grunt and aggression. So he came in the line out in the mall the scrum. Although it was a bit back and forth at times, but ultimately, like Glasgow were just too too strong in that in that department, I think, and and guys like Dempsey and uh, and a few others that sort of came on were were very very good for for Glasgow. But from Ulster's perspective, uh, really just just not good enough. Um, very very deflated come the end of it. But I had no. I wasn't I wasn't terribly disappointed because it kind of felt like that was a fair result really at the end of it and you know we were probably quite lucky to get away with uh, a losing bonus because you know all that momentum in the last 20 25 minutes was was all was all Glasgow really maybe a couple of decisions that could have gone our way but that was the that was the momentum of the game the momentum was with with, with Glasgow and, and they ultimately uh sort of you know earned that through what they did so can't really complain. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm watching John here, and I can see he's licking his lips. He can't wait. To, he can't wait to rub it in. Uh, we, we were talking uh... <laughs> talking beforehand that uh, I'd invited John to come on and uh, saw the result because I'd watched the game um, after. I didn't see it live, but uh, I'd instantly regretted inviting John on. <laughs> no. <laughs> Only joking, John. Delighted to have you. Uh, John, tell us what that win was like from a Glasgow perspective and uh, maybe give us a sense of the mood for Glasgow fans given the really good recent run of form you are having. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting actually to hear uh, Jack's point there about being you know disappointed. I think Glasgow were disappointed as well. Um, disappointed not to come away with a try bonus. Disappointed to give away the losing bonus at the end. Um disappointed with the weather i think that you know to say the weather was a, a level or probably is is fair in the sense that i think both teams would have wanted to play some rugby um and glasgow in particular they've got you know there's been plenty of stats bandied about about you know they're the team that play with the most width in the league they they tend to go coast to coast more than any other team you tend not to be able to do that in a monsoon in glasgow and you know whatever dan was saying it was wet it was very wet and it was it was windy as well and the coverage doesn't really do it justice. Um, Glasgow wet is particularly wet. Um, so, 
but yeah, I think I think from a Glasgow perspective, we've we've had a you know a, a degree of upheaval at the start of the season. We've found form uh, at a really really good time, and we're obviously in this brilliant brilliant run. And for us, it's great that you know a team like Ulster can come over. And that, like the way I said it to some of the fans after the game, that's a game we lose, you know, six months ago. That's a game we lose comfortably six months ago. And the fact we were able to stick in there, we disrupted, you know, sort source of possession and the line out for years. And with probably twenty five minutes to go, there was no other team going to win that. Glasgow were were really coming on to it, really dominant. The bench played a huge part, as Jack rightly identified, having you know a, a, a international front row. Um, coming on, having Ali Price and Duncan Weir coming on. Ali Price probably, will, you know, we'll talk talk specific players later, and Ali will come up. But yeah, from a, from a Glasgow perspective, it's, it's a great win, and it's another one of these ones. You know, obviously, when we moved to the URC, we all talked about, um, you know, the the big selling point was no no clashes with international windows, forgetting, of course, that centrally contracted players are managed throughout the period of the tournament and managed before and after. So. You guys have got a trip to South Africa next week during the Six Nations. So do we. And we're not, I'm pretty sure I might get a call up at this rate because it's it's looking a bit sketchy. But yeah, it was it was it was a good win. Disappointing, frustrating, but lots to work on, and we're we're quite happy with that. And probably plays in a lot to the Glasgow. So the mood of the fans at the moment is like we're on this massive, brilliant run, and we're really, really happy about it. But we just we're taking that game at a time and we want to see progress every week and we want to see, you know, Franco Swift, let's see what he's got this team doing. And, you know, there's a lot of players away just now. So yeah, a good win. A good win. Yeah. Credit where credit's due to Glasgow. I, I grudgingly say that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, I was playing nice as well. Okay, right, we'll do that, will we? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh it was certainly in difficult conditions, you know, it was a good Glasgow performance. Um, but intra- I, I think it's some that's why I love having you know, fans of the opposition on because all we can think about is the the disappointment from an Ulster perspective. But then you go right enough. Glasgow could have had, could have got a bonus point. They could have denied Ulster, and so in that sense, neither side's entirely happy. But uh, I think you're, you're you're the happier of the the two sets of fans, certainly. But um, I want to turn now to Simon on his Red Hand podcast debut. And Simon, could you tell us about any major points of note that you picked up on in that game? So any sort of key areas that um, you thought were decisive in terms of the result? Yes, Peter. Well, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you, you, you summarised it really well at the start when you said around the mall. And obviously an area that, you know, in previous seasons has been a real trademark of Dan McFarlane. It certainly feels that we're a bit one-dimensional now. Um, I think Tom Stewart still had a great game in the loose, but there was one line out maybe 20, 25 minutes in that really frustrated me. We were maybe 20 metres out from Glasgow's line and we threw to the back and spilled it forward. Um, and sort of similar to the monster game that we actually held on in in, in Toman um, before Christmas. I think it was maybe slightly earlier in the season. We had maybe six or seven opportunities to kick penalties and we went for them all now look on a on a drier night at home you know we may have converted those chances but i was frustrated by that that game management in terms of it, whether that's cooney or sorry whether that's billy burns or whether that's fed from above that okay yeah we're going to continue on we're going to continue on because i think when you contrast that to to the three mall tries glasgow scored 
the second one in particular, when they, I think they went to the middle to maybe Cummings, who flicked it back into the into the um, into the two channel, and then they got a bit of momentum from there. And I, I think even it, I think it might have been the, their first mall try. They had a couple of the backs involved, and look, um, there's been a hell of a lot of mall tries this season. Um, it is it is really the sort of like the in vogue thing now, especially in the URC. And I think that's that's for me a, a real call out. Um, I know you're someone who who likes to say, you know, I, I don't want to criticize players. Um, but for me, the selection said a lot about where Ulster are at the moment. That Dan is so reliant on Billy Burns, and the fact that we didn't. Well, I, I know Cooney and Duke can both cover nine and ten, but having seen how Madigan did in La Rochelle in similar conditions, I'd have loved to see him come on for twenty minutes. Um, I'd have loved to see see what he could do. And personally, I'd I'd love to see him be involved this week against the Sharks, just purely because I think we all we all know what Billy Burns is good at. He, he's a, he's good in terms of you know those tactical kicks behind. Um, but it it wasn't the night for that. And I think it was it was telling at one point towards the end of the first half where we had maybe nine or ten phases and we wouldn't pass outside nine. And um, I'm not sure which Glasgow forward it was, but they got the turnover, and I think this was maybe two minutes before half time. And you know, Doak Doak had a good penalty, you know, in the red at the end of the first half. But I just felt that the the lineup really struggled, and that would be a worry now with Treadwell getting called up to the Ireland squad. You know, the depth with Henderson as well it isn't quite there. And um, but like all credit to Glasgow, I actually I before the game I didn't realize how much of a run they were on. And as John says, they are a very they are a very expansive team. You know, they they'd beaten the Stormers early in January. So thinking about it a couple of days after the fact, I'm probably not as disappointed as I was with the result. But the performance, I, I think, is it's sort of you know for all the hard work that was done for the sale in the Stormers game, I feel like we're kind of not back to square one. But I have more questions than I did two weeks ago and I think the Sharks game is sort of one that we'd probably rather have got out of the way back in um, October, November time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like it's uh, more questions than answers at the minute. And that that was something which I, I think over recent weeks, we thought maybe we'd solved, we'd sort of uh, gone through a really, um, uh, a period which caused some concern over Christmas and New Year. And we thought maybe uh, we international break will, will do us rightly and have uh, come back and look it wasn't a disaster of a game by any means no, uh, no. I think I think we need to keep things in perspective but uh, and look, as you say I, I've said before on social media and stuff look, we never criticize players but I think it's part of the fun and part of what we do as fans is is point out maybe uh, where combinations haven't worked or certain players maybe haven't had a good game I suppose I'm really talking about the personal attacks you see on yeah. on different message boards and stuff no issues sort of chatting about who's who's playing well who's not that's that's part of it but um sorry i, w- I want to bring you in john because there's a bit of chat in our in our in our sort of message box yeah um uh could i bring you in there to talk a wee bit about the kicking game yeah yeah definitely it was interesting hearing uh simon you were saying obviously the talking about the, the tactical kicking and for me that changed the game for glasgow Actually, the, the kicking game in the first half, and I don't know if it was wind-related or, or what was going on, Glasgow were overplaying a lot when they had the ball, which was fairly uh, fairly sparse in that first half. And the big turning point in that second half was the tactical kicking. Like, uh, players coming on, Ali Price came on, and, and just you could see the game plan had shifted, put the ball in behind Ulster, make them turn, make them play. 
uh, especially when we had line-out dominance as well. So, it, it, yes, both teams like to play, but it was a night to just put, put the leather on it and just get it in behind. And I think Glasgow probably done that better, which actually is, is quite interesting given the quality of, you know, you talk about the, the quality of um, halfbacks you guys had available to you. Generally considered very, very good game managers, good tacticians, good kickers. And Glasgow won that kicking battle hands down in no small part down to Ali Price. But actually, I think outside of Price, Tom Jordan doesn't do much kicking for a 10. He's actually he's more of a ball player. But outside him, you had Stafford McDowell, who's having an absolute renaissance this season. Um, big left-footed boot, and he put plenty in behind as well. So it's Glasgow outkicked Ulster in that second half. And for me, that was the huge thing that changed the game for them. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk to you at some stage, John. Something I forgot to sort of note down was about the, the difference the pitch makes in that plastic pitch. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, and how it's basically cheating to play in one of them. <laughs> oh, wait, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you had seen the pitch before it, you wouldn't say it was cheating. You would say, uh, you know, it's better better to play on something than, uh, than, a, than a field. But, uh, yeah. Yes, no, that's a very good point. And there's a lot of chat that I'll uh, start careful, you might get one. Well, I think that that's, that's the point. I think I'll still yeah. going to get a plastic pitch. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm not just for, from a rugby purist perspective. I, I don't really like the idea of it, but uh, it certainly seems to, as you're saying, John, it contributes towards a sort of expansive, more free flowing rugby. Yeah. Um, and that's good, good for spectators and good for teams playing that brand of rugby as well. Um, so like, we'll, we'll maybe if uh, maybe touching that at the end, but um, I want to talk because uh, this has been a, the subject of a lot of chat over over the course of last week in particular um, about Dan McFarland's team selection. Simon, you touched on it a bit, but uh, me and Jack were sort of back and forward a wee bit over uh, on this subject during the week. Um, there seems to be a few guys who are being left out in the cold at the minute and arguably Ulster don't have that luxury in the same way that Leinster might have sort of falling out with guys or blacklisting certain players. What's going on? Why are these guys being left out in the cold and what, what do you make of the sort of slightly strange team selection? Um, I, It's so funny that you, you're saying your message and Jack about that because me and my friend have had exactly the same conversations. I think if you were to summarise Dan McFarland's selection this season, it's been consistently inconsistent. And it's not to say some of the guys that have come in haven't done well, but I can only imagine as a playing group what it's like to be in that environment. You know, you could look at it from one sense that there's there's real competition for places and everyone can, you know, play well and get into the squad. But And I know, I know he's a favourite of yours and he would be a favourite of mine, but the, the Marcus Ray situation, I think the longer that goes on, the more questions people have around that. And he was a he was a player that had really come on in the last few seasons. And I think in terms of both sides of the ball, he, he really offered a threat, both, you know, carrying lines, but also that that jackal threat. I think Jordy played really well at the weekend. So I actually do hope Jordy continues to get a run of games. But it certainly feels like Marcus Ray didn't do anything to sort of like fall out of favour. And the guys he's picking ahead of him, no, no slide on Jones or, you know, I know he's a chick who's more of a second row that can cover back row. But seeing them come off the bench on, on Friday night, I, I didn't think they really had much of an impact at all. Um, Yeah, and, and again, like, I think there was maybe five Ulster contracted players starting for Balna Hinch on Saturday. And it, it's just this thing of they, they brought Jake Flannery up from Munster. He wasn't getting game time there. 
and the rumor is that he's going back. Um, so yeah, I think for me it's just the inconsistency. I, I don't mind if you know players have a stormer and and they just deserve deserve to start the following week. But even in the back three, I I was confused by McElroy to an extent at fifteen because I think um, Stuart Murray been doing quite a good job covering fifteen, even though I know he's not naturally a fifteen. So I kind of would have maybe either wanted to see Stockdale at 15 or, or Moore covering 15. I think McElroy actually had a really good game, but I think he is one of those players. He is an out-and-out winger. Um, so it, it was strange. I think looking at the two twenty threes before the game, I was saying to a friend, look, I, I think we should sneak this. I, you know, obviously Glasgow having as many guys away with Scotland as they did, I think it was a pretty strong Ulster team. So so to not get a result, kind of, it, it puts even more scrutiny on selection. And, you know, with the game this week being in Durban, we, we don't have the luxury that the guys could get released from Ireland can't play it. So I think it'll be very interesting to see the 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 party that goes. I imagine maybe um tomorrow or Wednesday that will come out. But yeah, no, I think every week it there's always that question mark of what's gonna be the what's gonna be the surprise this week. And I'm not sure if that's if that's a good thing at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and Jack, do you have any level of insight into maybe what's going on behind the scenes at Ulster? Is there uh, Fallen's out, do you think, or is it purely based on performance? Because uh, as Simon rightly points out, Marcus Ray plays a few blinders and then mysteriously absent for uh, most of the season. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, well, if you look at the games that um, uh, Marcus has played um, at the start, the start of the season, he he played pretty much consistently up until the... Uh, he played until the, he played the sale game where we capitulated. He was on the bench for that game, but he actually came on and actually showed a lot more than any other player on whatever it was three hours sleep. Um, but uh, we won all those games. He played against Connacht and hasn't played since. Um, but he's only lost one of the games this season. So if you want to if you want to turn to the to the downfall of Ulster Rugby, it's uh, it's the fact that Marcus Ray hasn't been playing. Because he, like like you said, um, Simon, like he has been, you know, key kind of performer. He's he's an Ulster boy. He's been playing well. He, he plays he plays hard. Like he he throws himself into tackles and mauls. And I think one of the things that he's really improved is his actual his tackle technique and his tackle success, which has been really really good. But it's not formulated. Uh, because as far as I can tell, he's he's been playing. He's been pretty pretty much consistent performer for us. He's still I put a wee um I put a wee thread up on on Twitter a while ago that he's still, you know, 10 turnovers for the season uh, and he's only played nine, eight or nine games maybe for um, for us this year. So, um, you know, he still offers that that threat. Like, not, not, not an awful lot of players um, can do that for us consistently or on a consistent kind of basis. So, um, yeah, selection's weird. And uh, if you're talking about, like, perf- performance and form, I mean, Jake Flannery hasn't played enough to get a get a read on his actual form. And I would be very disappointed if he uh, goes back to um, Monster, because I think he's a cracking wee B10 who can, who can kick well, pass well, run well good vision he's he's exactly what you need and we need depth at 10 like if we if we let him go we're just relying on on burns for the whole season and you know madigan to sort of step in sort of as and when and maybe dope's gonna play a bit at 10 like it just doesn't make sense to me so i uh yeah i don't i don't i don't like where it's going shall we say uh and it doesn't look it doesn't look like it's gonna change anytime soon like is he got a run maybe jake flannery's 
just coming back from injury. He had a bit of a hamstring strain, so he maybe he's just been being saved because he was going to play that Lara Shell game, as far as I know, and then he picked up an injury. So it's really tough. Like he's yeah. a young guy and he just wants to play. So he's playing he's now getting a getting a gig at, at Ballina Hinch, which for all intents and purposes, great wee club. But he wants to be he wants to be playing Champions Cup rugby. Like he wants to be in a big time. Like this is why these boys are making, you know, big sacrifices, moving halfway up the country to 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 get game time. And, you know, yeah, maybe he'll get a game against dragons or or, or something, but just, you know, just stick him in. Like just stick him in. Yeah. Let the boy have play. Madigan, have Madigan on the bench. He's an experienced 10. He can come and boss a game. Like if Cooney here have a, having a little off day, you can't solely just rely on, you know, Cooney to just um, you know, get out of jail. Um yeah. it just won't it just won't work. You need a squad, you need a team to to really kick things on. So uh Yeah. That's it, yeah. And I think with Marcus Ray, one of the um, obvious deficiencies we had, I thought, was someone with the ability to slow, to slow the ball down and get in, get in and jackal. And now Marcus Ray does um, create a lot of turnovers, uh, but even more important than that, because other teams are aware of that risk, they commit more men to the ruck, he goes in, he competes, and even if he doesn't get the turnover, he slowed the ball down sufficiently. Whereas Glasgow, um, I mean, because of the conditions, it wasn't so much of a thing, but in terms of teams that play expansively, they play best against fractured defences, uh, people defences unable to wrap around in time, get numbers. And uh, a lot of that work is Marcus Ray, and it's sort of underappreciated work uh, at the breakdown and at the cool face, just putting your face in a rock, and it, it does help. It slows things down. Um, but I want to turn uh, back to you now, John, and um, I'll give you uh, a, a hint. Please pick a couple of Ulster players in this question as well. But you've already mentioned some Glasgow players. Who who were the players who stood out for you in this game? And were there any performances that particularly surprised you? Yeah, so you'll be you'll be glad to hear. Hello, the Red Hand listeners. This is Jonathan Moore from SS Moore Sports in Belfast. We're just opposite the front door of the City Hall onto Chester Street, where we've been since 1950. We again, like most other years, carry a full range of the Ulster rugby product. We do hoodies. Tees, polos, jackets, gilets, scarves, hats, luggage. We do adults and kids, and that can be seen in store or online at ssmsports.co.uk. Hope to see you guys soon, and don't forget shop local. Headquarters is a private fitness facility in the heart of Belfast, located just off the Lisburn Road. If you want to get stronger, get in better condition, and improve your performance in life or in sport, then get involved with Headquarters Gym. The focus is in small group and one-to-one coaching. This allows you to stay accountable, have fun, and get great results from your training. If you're interested in achieving your fitness goals, sign up for a trial month for £99. That gives you 16 sessions for the month and all you need in terms of support and advice on your fitness journey. Get in contact on Instagram at headquartersbelfast or visit headquartersbelfast.com. I have got a couple of Ulster players in that in that mix. You said a couple of, a couple of decent performances. Uh, you've all already mentioned Stuart at Hooker. Uh, he was he was incredibly dynamic, and I know he's been doing that most of the season. Uh, he was a real threat, and it was he's you know you always think when you're watching a game and you're like 
uh, we need to chop him. We need to get him down now. Get stop him at source. So I, I thought I thought he was he was very very um, uh, very good. And you've also mentioned Jordy Murphy. I, th- I think from a breakdown perspective, he actually kept you in the game a lot. Um, it's interesting you talk about. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't as important at the weekend, but obviously, quick ball is quick ball. And Glasgow, the, uh, just uh, just after Christmas, there was the start. Glasgow are still the, the, the only URC team to average under three seconds at breakdown. Um, so Glasgow have been playing quick this year, very, very quick, quicker than anyone else. And you're absolutely right, using those guys to slow that ball down is crucial. And I thought Jordan Murphy had a great game. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen him, actually. So it was, it was nice to see because he was, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy who stood out in the past as well. Um, so I thought those two from an Ulster perspective, I thought there was a couple of performances from, from your perspective that you would probably want to put in the sea a wee bit and, um, and forget about as well. But, you know, that's that's true of uh, any team. Um, from a Glasgow perspective, yeah, I've mentioned Ali Price coming off the bench. I think if you look at the starters, uh, Scott Cummings coming back after a long injury layoff, uh, looked rusty, but his rusty is... To most people's very, very, very good. Um, I thought he had a very good game. Um, tired as well. He, he, you know, you could see he hadn't played much rugby, but the quality was still there. The line out went very, very well. Um, the bench coming off Razor Brown led the way as well. He's, he's having a cracking season. Again, a lot of people thought he was finished, but the standout for Glasgow. Man of the match, Jack Dempsey. Um, anyone who's listened to my podcast has heard me wax lyrical about Jack Dempsey and oh, does he deliver. Um, just for me, head and shoulders above every other player in the park. He is a wonderful talent and Scotland are incredibly lucky to have him in the ranks and Glasgow are exceptionally lucky to have him in, his rank, in the ranks because... That's the sort of player, like, you guys on your side of the water are used to having world-class uh, internationals coming over from other countries and delivering. Uh, we, d- we don't get that so much over here because uh, we, we tend to have to focus a lot on production of our own talent because we've only got the two teams. But Dempsey's come over and what a player. is! you know, the fact that at Glasgow... Matt Fagerson, who's the Scotland eight at the moment, and rightly so, Matt Fagerson, again, a wonderful talent. The fact is at Glasgow, Fagerson plays six because Dempsey's that good. Um, so, you know, that probably tells you everything that needs to be said about how good he is. And yeah, what wonderful talent. So, but that's it, like across the piece, I think a lot of players, um, a lot of players had decent games, but it was one of those ones that's it's difficult for people to stand out in those conditions. But uh, overall, a good a good team effort and some some decent performances from lots of different players. Absolutely, John. Like it's good to hear um, a bit of insight because like you play these teams and unless you're able to watch every Glasgow game of the season, it's hard to know who's going to be good and who isn't. But uh, no, certainly there's some standout guys that you're talking about there, and I think there's maybe a section of supporters, Ulster supporters who underrated Glasgow. And uh, I, I think that's, you do that to your detriment because they it's, will. That's been said a few times and it is interesting to hear that from our side because see, when you, you when you look through the team, yeah, there's a few names that you probably wouldn't pick out as as being, you know, top level players, but you, there's a lot of internationals in that team and a lot of internationals on the bench. And, you know, when you've got Sam Johnston and uh, Stafford McDowell, who are both Scotland internationals playing in the centres, you've got Tom Jordan, who should be a Scotland international, he's just no qualified yet. 
Um, Ali Price, British and Irish Lion on the bench. You know, there's there's a lot of talent in that team, and to hear, you know, and for that to be a, to, to be a, to be a mid Six Nations team and people to be like, yeah, that's a bit of a you know, not a rubbish team, but it's a bit of an unknown quantity. But like, ah, <laughs> there's a few decent players in there, to be fair. I know, absolutely, you're right. And I, I always talk about the Ulster rugby bubble. And if you don't play for Ulster or Ireland, I think sometimes <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we don't take much. I speak, mate, I, I possibly I'm speaking for myself there, but um, <laughs> th- th- I'd say there's a few people in my category as well. Just maybe don't don't have tabs on on the Scottish side or indeed a lot of other teams that we play against. So um, no, but that's uh, it's 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 great to have someone from outside the bubble come in. That's why I love having guys like you on. Um, so, look, in terms of, uh, I just wanted to speak to you, Simon, briefly here about look, if you were to, if you're Dan McFarland and, and you're, we talked earlier about selection, just briefly tell us what would you do differently maybe against the Sharks? Who would you be including? Would you mix it up a wee bit uh, against the Sharks? Yes. Um, it's such a tough one because, you know, you're still in, you're in that period where obviously normally you wouldn't want to be having games you know you're doing six nations and um, you're flying out to durban and back i i actually thought moxham was one of our better players on on friday night i think he tackled really well i think he was good onto the high ball but i'd, I'd read just there he he's actually i think he, he was concussed so he he would have been one for me i think jordy murphy um as as john alluded to i think he he worked really hard um both sides of the ball so so i would definitely have jordy involved i, I think ideally you'd have timony and vermulin joining him in the back row I would maybe put Sheridan in, in the second row if 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 you want the McFarland surprise of you of which there usually is one um with with O'Connor and then Carter to come off the bench because my, my distinct memory of the last time we were in South Africa was that last 10 you could just see how tired the players were and as much as I'm sure they've worked on the fitness the last few weeks uh, in the follow weeks um they, they were knackered so I, I think it's about picking the biggest pack in the first half with maybe a few more mobile guys to come on second half so i would maybe give andy Wark a start you know he is i would say a better scrummager than um jeff um and in the backs i i would start cooney and i think number one is his goal kicking um i actually think doke the penalty he slotted on friday night shown he is working on his goal kicking but i think um John Cooney just brings so much to his game, and I, I just don't think it's a game we want to be chasing. Um, I imagine he's um, Billy Burns will still be starting, and him and him and Cooney work really well. Another one I'd love to see. I'd love to see Luke Marshall come back into the centre. Um, with with McCloskey away, I just think in, in previous seasons, especially 2019, when we scared Leinster down in Dublin, he was a spiritual leader in that game. And I just think if you want someone to make 15. 15, 18 tackles a game, but still offer a bit in terms of the link play out with our outside backs. I, I think he would be one. Um, I, I would probably keep Hume at 13, but I, I would find a way to get Stuart Moore in the starting team, whatever you do. I think he's been um not a fine this season, but I think people are like fans of other teams are really starting to take notice. And I think Dan really likes guys that can cover multiple positions. So in terms of the starting team, those are the guys that have involved. I, I don't know that there's anyone in the last few weeks that's that's jumped off the page to to get onto the bench. But um, it's a shame. I imagine Tom Stewart may be involved with the the Ireland setup this week, even if it is just as a um, just as a travelling reserve. But I, I doubt he's making the trip to South Africa. But um, look, we'll see. I, I think there the lot there's always one or two surprises with Dan. 
personally, I, I would happily see see Sheridan into the row. But, you know, look, um, your guess is as good as mine, Peter. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm a big fan of Sheridan. I think he does, he got his tryout, he's delighted by, he he does um, a lot of work at the coalface. Uh, and I love players like that. You know, he just gets around, he hits rocks. He's solid ball carrier. He's that hybrid six or second yep. row. Yep. Love, love that type of player. So I think he has a big future. And I think he's he's the, the chat was around as a shoot um sort of before the season. Um now it's turned into chat about Sheridan and he's leapfrogged um uh as a shoot Not to say as a shoot we will come in and do a good job as well, but it's just interesting the way these guys develop and I think Sheridan has been really impressive. John uh, Simon was talking a wee bit about uh, John Cooney there and all the chat yep. is that Cooney might be jo- joining you. Uh here we go. <laughs> so John, uh number one, do you do you think that would be a good thing for Scotland? Uh, is it very presumptuous of Cooney to imagine he might get in the Scottish team or where do you think he lies in the pecking order? So it's a very, very good question. And if you'd asked me this three months ago, uh, I would have bitten your hand off and I would have had John Cooney in that Scotland squad. I think the level of experience, the goal kicking, um, that game management, I think is not something that Scotland possess in great depth at the moment. Ask me now, and I think actually a lot of the scrum halves in Scotland have really stepped up, and particularly looking at George Horn at Glasgow, who has taken over the nine shirt at Glasgow, has usurped Ali Price, um, at both club and country. And then you've got Ben White down at London Irish as well, who is doing everything that, shy of goal kicking, is doing all the John Cooney things of controlling games, making sure you've got that quality of possession. So Cooney at the moment is, if you're being kind, fourth choice for Scotland. If you're being kind. If you're taking into account he's a 32-year-old who has got one World Cup in him and probably doesn't fit the way Scotland are trying to play then you could argue seventh choice, which is ridiculous, by the way, just as an aside, because I love John Cooney. I think he's a great player. But if you take all the factors into consideration, he doesn't match the way Scotland are trying to play. He doesn't... The plan B that he offers is not necessarily a plan B we need, particularly when you think about half-back combinations. He doesn't match with... So if you take Scotland with Finn Russell, Blair Kinghorn as your 10 options, he doesn't match with either of those you'd probably struggle to find a Scottish 10 that works with him. Actually, Ben Healy might be the best option, believe it or not. Um, so, when a situation, I, I think Cooney, Cooney would be a good cap for us to have. And I think if there's an injury to one of the more experienced scrum halves in the next two months, ben, uh, then John Cooney will go to the World Cup with Scotland. He's not a long-term option. I think it's quite presumptuous of him to be like, ah, you know, I've just, I've, I've not really got a shoe in for Ireland anymore, so I'm going to go and play for those, the, the, the perennial fourth place over the road. Um, but I think he's quite far down the pecking order, and I don't see that he works with Townsend set up. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you saved yourself there by saying, I love John Cooney. <laughs> Which, I, I, again, we do as well in Ulster, but it could work out well for both of us because we want to keep him, and it sounds like Scotland don't really need him at the minute, so... Uh, it could work out. It could work out quite well. And again, we probably would have given given him a pat on the back and said, "Look, John, you haven't been given enough recognition. Fair play, go off to Scotland." But now, as we've discussed in this pod, the guys who were coming through have not been given a chance. The likes of Michael McDonald, who signed for us in the summer, um, 
And beyond that, I mean, who else is there in terms of, there's Dave Shanahan there as well. He's sort of in the one quantity and not really one for the future, although one of these perennially young people that are probably not that young anymore. <laughs> so you need young guys coming through. We don't really have that. We probably need to keep hold of Cooney. And uh, uh, I think it's a really, really interesting to hear your, your perspective on that. Oh, he's potentially seventh choice. And and we... I, to, I, to, to qualify that point, you've got Ben White, Ali Price, George Horn. You've then got uh, Jamie Dobby, who started for Glasgow at the weekend. You've potentially got Ben Velicott ahead of him. You've potentially got Charlie Shield ahead of him as well, who had a howler at the weekend, but has generally been quite consistent. That's six scrum halves who could potentially play above him. So I'm not just throwing seventh choice out there as a wild statement. That That is a possibility. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And... and uh... Uh, I, I find that surprising, but also like uh, it's a fair argument. Like it's, he he hasn't historically been able to um, to team up with or form an effective partnership with that many tens because he's a type of nine that does control the game, and um, so interesting. But like I, I want to talk a wee bit. I'm going to take a, a few players who played well that we've already talked about. Then Tom Stewart carried well as he always does, very dynamic. Uh, I think 17 carries over the course of that game, which was phenomenal. Um, Jeff Tamaga Allen was busy about the pitch, putting in 16 tackles. Murphy, is, as you said earlier, was very good, John. 18 tackles, quietly effective, getting stuck in. Um, and great to see him back in the fold as well. Um, look, in terms of the, the maybe not so good performances, I prefer to hand that over to Jack uh, usually. So, Jack, was there anyone who was a wee Cheers. bit... <laughs> Just because, yeah, I, I hate to criticise players, i let you do it. No, but uh... Was there anyone who maybe wasn't so good in terms of that Ulster side? We've probably mentioned a couple of names already. I mean, to avoid being mean, but at the same time, it's kind of very mean, is to just say that there wasn't a lot of them didn't really play well, really. I mean, nobody was, nobody was, um, nobody was like awful. Nobody was really like, you know, really, really bad or anything like that. There weren't any like howlers, like, you know, Doki just, you know, kicking the ball away or just Billy Burns making loads of knock-ons or throwing an intercept or anything like that. So, Nothing really kind of jumped out at you, but um, it was just generally just a bit of, I don't know, a bit of malaise. I mean, there was lots of good, lots of good tackling, but I mean, who who comes to watch loads of tackling? I mean, we need to see a little bit more kind of bravery and a little bit more kind of, all right, I'm going to, like James Hume is someone who I admire a lot that I think that he has that kind of grunt that he will kind of take a game by a scruff of the neck or like Kieran Treadwell, who just makes a one big carry and, and you guys, but those guys are kind of quiet. I mean, that's kind of harsh because you're judging them on, you know, their best performances, which, um, you know, like John was saying about some guys who just come on and, and just consistently perform very well. Guys like Al O'Connor performs consistently well. And, and, and of course, you know, I can't really say a bad word about Al O'Connor, but at the same time, you know, it was quite enough quite enough game uh for for him like and um guys like guys like Doki and Burns I just think didn't kick enough um the, the we were talking about it earlier how Ali Price and 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 like guys like Duncan Weir coming on two very good kickers we just didn't you know we just didn't kick enough and we didn't kick well enough um when we did so so those kind of decisions um that we made were were, were clearly poor so um, it's just a little bit of, I guess it's again, it's a little bit of game management, which kind of comes down to your key, 
playmakers, but um, there was just there was just a lack of a lack of everything. I actually I actually don't think any of the any of the backs really um, put their hands up for any kind of you know good uh, sort of positive reviews. They're all quite quiet and um, just generally. Yeah, thanks for that question, Peter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, th- I I think look, it's fair, and there's there's a lot of guys there who had sort of average games, um, which uh, whenever you have so many players playing averagely, you end up with a with a, a less less than desirable performance. And, and look, it wasn't like there were any howlers. There was a few sort of line out malls that we didn't defend against. I suppose you're collectively responsible for that. Did you know yeah. uh Vermeulen's very effective in that regard when he's playing, he's just a physical force, a presence. He seems mall defense is like what the least glamorous part of <laughs> rugby, but yeah. um it's uh it's it's you need a few guys who are proficient at it. Um in terms of um I want, I want to turn to Simon briefly. Uh, is Dan McFarland under pressure now? Look, I, a lot of people are talking about we've actually regressed. And whenever you look at it, even the, the bad old days of Ulster, sort of 2017, 2018, Ulster have always been a pretty good side. We have pretty high standards. Um, have we regressed a bit this season? Have we come to the end of a coaching cycle? People is a very nice way of saying, do we need a clear out? Um, but uh, is Dan McFarland under pressure, in your opinion? Um, another difficult question. Um, I, I would say he has to be. I think um, we've, well, the, the, the three of us, myself, yourself, and um, Jack, have all been Ulster fans long enough to see the peaks in the troughs. And I, I think typical of most Ulster seasons is a bit of a slide, but it, it was a crisis. And I think if you're to judge from one season to another, last 16, okay, yeah, we were really unlucky to get uh, to lose um, to lose last year. But, you know, we, we won away in Toulouse. And I was at, at the at the home game and we, we did throw it away, you know, a star started us to lose word to, to concede 40 plus at home isn't good enough um to then go down to the stormers and if you want to be really brutal i think we lost the, the stormers game because of game management um dan would not bring uh cooney and burns off and i, I think burns could barely walk at the end of that game and there was the contentious penalty what was it over was it not at the end that, that sealed it for the stormers but that was our best chance in however many years to get into a uh, a, a URC final that wasn't against Leinster as well, and so yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I think we have regressed, and I think it's it, it's been talked a lot about you know losing Dwayne Pale. I I probably didn't rate him uh, as much as it, it's sort of one of those things. Once someone leaves, I think you, you can see them for how good they really were when you see who's who's replaced them, and that's not a personal slight. It's it, it's credit to Dwayne Pale. You know he's now head coach at Scarlets, and their results have improved recently. And um, Jared Payne. Um, now interim head coach for the rest of the season at Claremont. So I think Dan is very good as as a forwards technician and, and getting the most out of his players. I, I do love the mantra around fight every inch, but I think that Glasgow game just reiterated how limited we can be in attack when, when we're missing certain players and when conditions aren't perfect. And I think we're just yeah, I, I think we're just too reliant on certain players that have to have a 9 out of 10 game for us to score four tries to outscore teams when realistically, you, you see Leinster week in, week out, they they always play the same way. And I, I'm not saying Ulster need to start playing like Leinster, but when the results aren't going well, you'll always look at the performances 
you know how how do how do Ulster play their rugby? And I I certainly think from a performance perspective, results aside, as as bad as they've been in the last few months, um, I don't personally enjoy watching Ulster at the moment. I think the sale game there was fits and starts. The last twenty, especially with the crowd coming into it, that was entertaining. The Stormers sent over a a reasonably depleted team. I I think there was a good few that they left at home, maybe five or six internationals. Good to get the win good performance but you have to you have to look at the teams you're playing against so i think i think this week will be interesting i i don't think it's a game we would have expected to win when it was originally scheduled to be played the week after the lions game i don't think that's changed um so so this week i would just like to see us be a bit more expansive you know we're, we're going down to south africa you'd like to hope the conditions are a bit more favorable for running rugby and let's let's build a bit of momentum into the leinster game i think that's a free hit and it's sandwiched between three home games of Bulls, Edinburgh, and Dragons to finish. If we can get a point away to the Sharks, win in Cardiff, win against the Bulls, going into Leinster, yeah, so be it. I, I think that's going to be, we all know how tough of a game it will be down in Dublin. I don't think anyone's expecting us to win that, at least on current form. But if we could get into um, second or third seed, get a home quarter, just get a bit of momentum back to the season. I think the biggest thing from, from the Leinster game was any momentum we had was completely lost and we still haven't got it back. Um, so yeah, the, the, the long and short of it, Dan is definitely under pressure. I am rooting for him. I just don't think he has the backroom team um, to play the way we need to play to beat the teams in our league. I, you know, I think that's really what it comes down to. I really like him as a guy. I think he's he's forthright when he can be. Um, but yeah, I think potentially we are at the end of that coaching cycle, at least in terms of unless he can get a backroom staff in that's going to bolster him a bit. If Petrie's willing to to spend the money on that, remains to be seen. You know the whole the whole debacle around the pitch before the La Rochelle game, and the fact we're going to have to take Jacob Stockdale on as a central contract. Um, those are all things that have to be considered in terms of you know the budget for next season. So it'll be interesting. I, I as I say, I I do really like Dan. I think he's a really personable head coach. But I, it's hard to argue against that. Maybe he has taken us as far as he can. Yeah, yeah, and uh, don't get me started on the frozen pitch tobacco, which I think is Ulster's fault. But uh, certainly, it's going to put a massive dent in our budget and poor management. I think there's there's shambolic stuff goes on behind the scenes at Ulster, but um, that'll all be um, behind the paywall at some stage. No, as you can. No, I think um, I, I'm a fan of Dan, and I think he's done a great job at Ulster. But like, as you say, increasingly under pressure. Um, it's not like the thing that I sort of was thinking as you're talking, Simon, is in football that can happen fairly easily where a backroom staff are just sacked and it's like, right, we'll pay you, we'll pay you five million, pay out your contract, and where you go. Because there's that much money in rugby, it's like it's a huge decision to get rid of someone like that. It costs budgetary constraints and all. If you pay out someone before the end of their contract, so basically Dan will have to leave by mutual consent. Um, he's not going to unless he loses the rest of every game this season. He's not going to get sacked, so it will be mutual termination or a new job. But I, w- I want to turn to a man who knows. Uh, through experience what Dan is like because he's been the assistant coach at Glasgow and assistant coach for Scotland so John let us uh, let us uh, have a bit of your insight into what Dan is like as a coach and what your opinion of him is now 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, Dar- Darren McFarland, when he came to Scottish rugby, had a huge impact, actually, um, initially with with um, with Glasgow. In terms of the, the you you rightly said, Simon, forward technician, no, like knows it back to front, front to back. He made a huge impact in that forward group and was rightly considered when he moved away to Ulster. Rightly considered a massive loss. He was on he was on a, a track to be in consideration for you know Scottish rugby. We t- we quite a small pool of coaches. We tend to promote from within. We tend not to get rid of people. Hence, you know, Danny Wilson, despite getting an absolute shellacking from Leinster, it took two weeks to fire him. And then he didn't actually get fired. He just got redeployed elsewhere in the organisation for a wee bit um, till someone, some other Dumpling team took him on. So losing McFarland was a huge thing. And actually, obviously, we've had our own coaching considerations in Scottish rugby at a national level over the last few while. Gregor Townsend's been under significant pressure uh, in the Scottish national job to the point where he probably will leave after the World Cup. And in the autumn, there was, there was calls for his head in the autumn, and Dan McFarlane was one of the names that was mentioned. Um, and the general consensus of Scottish rugby fans was there's no way we could get Dan McFarland. He is too high quality a coach for us at the national coach level. And now you ask those same fans that question now, they wouldn't touch McFarland with a barge pole. Um, I think a lot of Dan McFarland's inadequacies as a head coach are starting to come to fruition just now. What you're seeing is he is a supreme technical coach at a forwards, with a forward group. And I think he is a brilliant man. And actually, I, I spent some time with him at Glasgow and he's a very, very nice man, a very personable man. Um, great to have a conversation with. Is he a head coach? That the jury's out. Um, so I think that that's probably where we are uh, from a Scottish perspective. I think, and it's interesting how quickly a coaching stock changes from you couldn't get him to we wouldn't want him. <laughs> that's such a good point. I, I I think that's a great insight, John. In terms of if you're an excellent technical coach, to be a personable and good man manager is a dream combination and only a tiny percentage of coaches in the world have that where you can do both. And I think some of the issues behind the scenes appear to be that Dan is falling out with everyone. Um, we don't know the ins and outs of it, but uh, players mysteriously left out and sort of a sense that the dressing room has been lost and you need someone who is personable, a good man manager to keep personalities happy. And um, I think Dan's an excellent coach, did a great job and steadied the ship to, to a large extent um, for after the sort of difficult period that Ulster had and credit to him for that but um, uh, an interesting insight there John and we appreciate that. Um, so look finally and just very quickly in a, in a line or two um, what are your predictions for this Saturday against the Sharks? Do you think Ulster can do it? So who wants to go first for that one? I can jump in if you want. I, sure. I mean it would be very Ulster if we just turned up and won right? Like it would be just it's like oh here we are you know as uh, I think Simon said it earlier, consistently inconsistent. We'll just we'll just bring out another absolute cracker, and you know it'll just be mental. I don't know. I mean, it. Um, I just looked up at the weather for Durban. Apparently, they're due for uh, thunder and lightning on the weekend, so it could be a very exciting game uh, down in Durban. So that could be fun. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I I don't think we'll win. I I I I think that the the sharks will probably just um they're they're going pretty well. I, I don't know exactly how they're going, but I mean they'll they'll be I think they'll be pretty they'll be pretty confident, and we might be banking on the Cardiff game next next week to to maybe just send a bit of a maybe a stronger squad there. I, I don't know really. I mean. I, I certainly wouldn't expect uh, a miraculous kind of um, turnaround, but... Uh... Yeah, stranger things have happened, certainly. <laughs> uh, not many stranger, but some. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, Simon, uh, in a line or two, do you think Ulster can do it? Um, I think so much is dependent on the team the Sharks pick. Um, I think if the Sharks picked a team similar to last week, I think we could be confident of a losing bonus point. Um, I think if they start including um the likes of C Khaleesi, Ox and Che, etc., especially in the pack, I I think we'd struggle to get uh, anything out of so the I, game. I, so just to just jump in there, I don't think they're um gonna be playing this weekend. Okay. The South Africans I think yeah. they're in camp, right? Or something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well so... probably still say then sharks by six, just based off the <laughs> yeah. fact I think they're I think they're seven, so I think they do really need to win. They won. They won at the weekend. Um, as much as the Ulster's win against the the Lions was was really good back September October time. I'm not exactly sure when. I think we ran the Stormers close roughly this time last year. I think it would take a lot based on how we're currently playing to see us win that game. So yeah, no fair fair. Um, I wonder. I'll probably get um. Some real Ulster fans on next week who believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yep. I, yeah, fair enough. Yep. No, no, I, uh, I think you're very. I only come on when they lose. You know, remember that. So I only like this is when, the only time I get to come on and chat is when we lose. Yeah. Uh, that's right. I'm fully expecting an invite back, boys. So <laughs> been more positive than both of us. I know. <laughs> I know. That's the Ulster way, though. Uh, if you set your expectations extremely. Lou, you can only be pleasantly surprised. That's so. John, give us a bit of positivity there. Do you think Ulster can can beat the Sharks this? this you know, right. So let let's be honest. It's a massive challenge. Uh, both both Ulster and Glasgow are heading off down to South Africa this week due to the the bug gate uh, back back uh, uh, where we were looking at playing our kit man. Uh, at said at one point. I think I think if you were to cherry pick two teams out of the South African four that you wanted to take on mid-six nations at home in South Africa, then the Lions would be your first pick and then the Sharks would probably be your second, especially if there's a, a South African camp going on. Yeah. So that that that's a, it is a huge opportunity. I think Ulster on the back of... They, they will be disappointed after this weekend. And... That the team they send down there, it's really important to get the preparation right. Obviously, McFarland waffled a bit during the press conference about preparation and logistics and all that. No, I don't know where he was going with that, but you, you, you do have an opportunity to go down there, stick in the game. The conditions will play a huge part. And that, that to me is probably where the URC and all its wondrous brilliance that you get to see players like Khaleesi playing against the best in the Northern Hemisphere. The fact that we're going down there at this time of year, it's going to be scorching hot, it's going to be altitude, it's going to be difficult. It's a massive challenge. So I think Ulster are in with a decent enough shout. I'm not sure how well you use it. I, I would say the same for Glasgow. I don't know. 
I don't know how well or what what sort of squad will go down south, but yeah, we've got a shot, boys. Uh, that's what I'll give you. Right, Ulster by twenty. Let's go. Yes, that's it. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's go. Get it wadded on. Yep, yep. Yeah, tie bonus point. We're gonna nail them. It'll be fine. That's great. So you're saying there's a chance? Uh... There's a chance. <laughs> Fingers crossed. We all cross our fingers and toes. You come out with it. Um, it's it's going to be going to be important. That result was a bit disappointing, but this run of games, we've got Sharks away, Cardiff away, and then Bulls at home. Those will be crucial. Um, as we discussed, sort of sixty minutes of that game, we saw a pretty good defensive display, a bit rudderless and one-dimensional in attack. Very talented Ulster side is saying this during the week that the talent in this Ulster side that if you're not a bit disappointed by that result then maybe you have your expectations for this team are too low um, but we are certainly a bit light in certain positions the depth uh, was the difference in the end the subs that came on made the difference in that game and uh, they came on and saw the game out for Glasgow so I'd like to see um, the the full squad given a go, players rotated in, less players randomly left out in the cold. We need the depth at Ulster. We can't be affording to fall out with people or blacklist people. Um, we saw just another news very quickly at the end here. Treadwell has been called into the Ireland squad, which we uh, alluded to earlier. Uh, Stu, I think it's been going well at centre. Um, uh, long may that continue. Big, powerful carries and very strong defensively. Good to see. Uh, poor Nick Timoney has been overlooked. Scott Penny has leapfrogged Nick Timoney in the Ireland reckoning and is in the squad now. Um, so a bit disappointing for Nick. Uh, who I think has been pretty good, and uh, all signs pointed towards him being sort of next, next to to join the squad. But alas, it wasn't to be. So anyway, guys, I think we've discussed pretty much everything, and, and uh, that we need to. And thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back for more chat uh, after the next uh, the next game against the Sharks. And I promised a special question and answer episode in the next week or so. But um, keep an eye out on the socials for uh, more news on that. So thank you to John and to Jack and to Simon for, for the chat. Really enjoyed that. Thanks, guys. Imagine a place free from gravity. Imagine a place free from all external stimulation where the only thing you can hear is your own heartbeat. A place where your physical and mental health can rest and recover. Where you can reconnect with your whole self. That place is Hydroease. Come and join us. You can find us at www.hydro-ease.co.uk.